Sexy People Podcast. I'm here with uh, Jack Stereo. I'm your host, Dan Fergalette. Thank you for joining me. Hey, it's great to be here. We had some tech issues here. I was saying uh, prior to this that uh, I want to be sensitive to all the people. There's the YouTube people listening and watching, and there are the people listening uh, at home, hopefully in their cars and being safe and all the things. But I want to, for the YouTube people, let them know that this is a thing that they can access. But also, I want to ask you about where you are. You're in this beautiful location. You have a koi fish about to attack you over your shoulder. You have this beautiful plant. Where are you and what's going on? So I'm I'm a collared pup. And my my daddies who've collared me, I'm in their home here in West Hollywood. Yes. Um, So so sitting in the, in just the uh, dining room area. So explain this, uh, explain this relationship to me. Is this, is this a, um, do you consider yourself a sugar baby? Is that the correct terminology? No, 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 not at all. Um, That is kind of what that relationship looks like to uh, a lot of people, but it's in no way a financial or a transactional type of relationship. Got it, got it, got it. This is, uh, uh, this is, these are two guys that are a little bit older, um, that have been around. And for me, um, I'm kind of a Gaby. I actually, I haven't been out very long. Um, Gaby means a newbie, a a newbie to the gay scene. Is that what that means? Yeah. Yeah. Um, believe it or not. Um, although like there's a learning curve, I'm definitely learning quickly, but, um, so they've, they've kind of been, we met filming, um, and we had a really great connection and, over the next months, we kind of um, developed a relationship and they're, they're like mentors, um, they're friends, um, and they've become um, my chosen family. Um, so um, the, the collar, what that really means to us is more about belonging and about family. Um, I'm not a like a locked boy or anything like that. And it's 100% not a sugar daddy. Um, Thank you for indulging my, uh, my, my maybe misguided question. Um, no, not misguided at all. Um, I'm actually kind of glad you asked because it's, it's a very common, like people aren't sure. And yeah. you know, this can mean a lot of different things. And so if you don't ask, you won't really know. Probably. Yeah. Uh, so when you leave, you take that off. No, this is forever. Um, this is, this is, I wear it all the time. Yeah. Um, I do have, a couple of different collars that I can wear and wear my tag with if I want to. I don't have to always wear this, but yeah, um, it's kind of a, I don't know. I love wearing it. One, I get um, people, people ask about it a lot or, or like it a lot, I guess. Um, and it's kind of a security thing. It's a reminder thing. It's a, I don't know. It feels good to wear it. And for the listeners, it's like, it's, you're literally wearing like a, um, like a medium gauge chain, um, like metal chain. And then what is either a, lo- a locket on the bottom? Yep. Yeah. So and it's got a, a master lock, padlock, and, and then, then a pendant. A dog tag. And if you look at the dog tag, the symbol on it is the Spartan symbol. And why is Spartan that? On the back. Spartan is my pup name. Oh, wow. Very so, cool. So I went to the whole um, pup play kind of thing. And so and what when is I said I'm a, collared, I'm a collared pup, that, that kind of goes into that that side of things and explain pup, pup play for anybody who's never heard that term uh, so pup <laughs> wow that's a really um difficult one to to explain but it's different for everyone um that gets into it but if you've ever seen pictures of guys wearing the mask um that kind of has like the pup face that um is part of the pup play world so um, so it's kind of a cosplay role play um sexual relationship but it it also has a lot of non-sexual things and the relationship um, for a pup 
and in my case, a pup and his handler, um, you know, that relationship could look very different for any other pup and their handler. It's kind of what you make of it. Um, and, and, but it does and, involve kind of uh, taking on like puppy characteristics, wearing the mask, they have tails, paws, all kinds of fun stuff like that. Um, I might be on a leash as a pup, you know, there's all kinds of fun things that can go with this. And, and, and is this uh is this a thing that was imp imparted on you or this is a thing that you um, sought out? So I, right from the first time I ever saw the pup thing, I was intrigued. Um, I thought it was kind of hot, but didn't really know anything about it. Um, after I broke into porn, um, I started modeling for Cell Block 13 and Timoteo, um, which is a gay underwear and fetish gear um, kind of brand. And so just last year at Leather Pride, um, or maybe a little before, but we modeled a bunch of stuff as a pup. Um, so it was the first time I had put the hood on and put the tail in and like got into that um, mindset for a day to do this shoot. And I, I don't know, I really liked it. There was Can something that really turned me on about it that felt very natural about it that, um, that I wanted to explore a lot more of. Um, and so uh, it kind of, yeah, it kind of started there. Explain that, explain that emotion, explain that feeling. What is it, um, what makes you feel sexy and, and sexual as the pup? Um, it's not even, it's not even that. It's more just like the whole puppy energy. Um, there's something very like cute and playful about it. Um, there's a lot of kind of nonverbal communication that can be uh, kind of fun. Um, so usually if I'm in pup mode, um, I won't, I won't speak. So, you know, communicating, you have to communicate the way that you would actually communicate with a, with a dog that can't speak. So a lot of body language, a lot of, you know, different playful gesturing, maybe they might say a growl or a certain kind of bark that might mean this or that. And it's just, um, again, it's just a very playful thing. It's not a, like an all the time thing. Um, some people can take this to an extreme um, and they have the whole like kennel and um, for some people it could be, you know, a humiliation can be part of it, but that's pretty rare for pup play. It's, it's very rare that it's taken to like a master slave kind of relationship. That's a whole different thing. That's funny because um, as a dog owner, it, like that literally speaks to like how we treat dogs now as well, because like we do not treat dogs as like subservient creatures like live outside anymore. They're literally like sleeping in bed with us and they're like our best friend and they may or may not think that they are our spouses. Um, so that's, that, so that's exactly what it's like you're as, right. you know, as the handler or the dog owner, you have certain responsibility to kind of protect and take care of it. Um, and at the same time as the pup, um, you know, they have, they serve us in one way or another, whether it be emotionally or whatever type of dog it is or what that relationship looks like, you know? Yeah. Okay. Well, uh, you explained that beautifully. Um, I wanted to ask then, um, is is the power dynamics one of the main attractions to it for you so uh, that's also kind of interesting i would be considered switch yeah um, so switch is if you are alpha or dom in some relationships and beta or sub in others um so with 
my handlers, I would be more submissive. Right. But in most of my life and most of my other relationships, interactions, whether it's in the pup world or not, I'm typically more alpha. Yeah. Um, But yes, there is an element of giving up control, um, especially to somebody that I trust um, and kind of letting them um, take over that, that is attractive. And that is part of that being submissive to, to someone else. Yeah. Okay. Um, thank you. Thank you for sharing that, that stuff. Um, I think, cause I think, uh, I think it is interesting because a lot of people, I think either, accidentally or on purpose sort of fall into one role in their lives and and in their relationships and then in sex and then maybe they just carry that for the rest of their lives and maybe they never get to play with other uh aspects uh power dynamics and otherwise and so you know being able to be open and and have those discussions now and be open to more more opportunities i think is is a good thing for people because sometimes you, you don't know uh a thing that you've never experienced, whether or not you'd be into it. Yeah, 100%. And that's, you know, the whole pup Spartan journey for me. Um, it's kind of what it's been about. Because like I said, I, I was closeted and married um, and came out <clears throat> very late in life. Yeah. And so you said that you said that to me all off, off, off cast. So let's, let's, let's just, uh, let's take that beat for a second. So yeah. you were you, 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 you got married. Um, you were living as a straight person who knew that um, that 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 this was not a um, a fulfilling uh, relationship for you, right? Uh, sexually. So yeah, let me. I'll try to give it to you in a nutshell. Yeah. Um, I was raised in a very conservative, alt religious, alt right kind of family um, in the Midwest. My and they're still was a, was a preacher. Is a preacher. Oh wow. Um. So at a young age, when I was kind of exploring my sexuality and figuring all that out, I got caught with another boy. Um, and that How kind old? of turned into uh, probably 14. And you're doing, what are you doing? What were we doing? We got caught. Yeah. Yeah. We were, uh, we were sucking each other's dicks. Full on. Caught. Yeah. Yeah. You got um, caught in, you got caught in full 69. I, yeah. Yep. Absolutely. Uh, uh, uh what site? So well, I want to know. I want to know. Was it? Um, <laughs> I can't believe I'm telling the story, but we were at like a state park up in Michigan um, on the beach. Like there's big sandy beaches and then dunes and woods kind of. And we were off one of these trails up in the sand dunes. And yeah, um, some people walked up and saw what they saw. And then later that night they found uh, what campsite we were at and made sure they talked to his parents. And then of course my parents. Wow, hang on. This This is wild. Like, so like, and this is this is one of the things that I that is like important to me in this podcast. It's like it's two people not hurting anybody. Like so, it, so the so it, it, it's like okay, I got caught by my family, but like you got caught by strangers, and then they felt compelled to go tell other strangers of a thing that's not bothering them, that like they have a belief that's like that they have to like st- that's insane. Yeah, you know, I've never even thought through that part of it a whole lot i don't think um it's like like uh, i was doing a show yeah. in 
I was doing a show in Florida, and it was all old people, so I assumed in my head that old people would be pro-marijuana because it's like a drug that they smoke to be relaxed in the eyes and the things in Florida. And this one lady started talking about how uh, she doesn't do it and she doesn't like it, so blah, blah, blah. And I was like, yeah, so shut up. It's not your conversation. If you don't smoke, it's not your conversation. If you're not into, if you're not into a particular type of thing, that's not your conversation. Don't talk. Don't even, don't seek it out. Like, you and your, you and your uh, I don't know what you guys called each other, but you and this boy were... Uh, living your own lives, not affecting these people, and they like had to go this extra route. Well, and that's the thing about the boy. Uh, you know, he was my best friend. Our families um, were very close. They were a part of my dad's church. His dad was a a deacon. His mother was the piano player. Um, we'd gone to the same Christian school. Both of our dads were teachers and coaches there. Um, from the time I was like seven or six until this happened. And within, I, I saw him once, maybe a week after this happened at church, and then never again. Never again. Where's he? What happened to him? They moved. They they up and left. That's crazy. Um, this is like a movie. Yeah. You guys um, get caught doing your thing, and then they take him away forever. Yeah, and things with my family were pretty rough. Um, you know, my dad was. Well, my dad beat my ass pretty good. Um, which I, I mean it's horrible um and i'm sorry that you went through that let let's let's like go i don't know how to let's go back there for a second and like what is the as as a as a as a woke uh understanding individual what in your head is like the understanding of of a dad to like put his hands on his son after this experience like what's going through his head that he thinks something that he's going to do physically is going to like change who you are and then how does that make you well, feel and carry you, you through know, the rest of your I life? I haven't ever um, reconciled this with my parents. Right. Um, at this point, haven't even really come out to them, although I can't imagine they don't know. Um, but I know like from his biblical um, perspective, it's a choice. It's not who you are. Right. Um, it's, in his words, that would that was choosing to be in rebellion against God, and right? Knowing who my father was and what he did, like it's also rebellion against him, and he went on about how that made him look. Um, so he put it all on me, and it being a choice to do something I knew was wrong, and, and that was the justification for, I guess, the punishment. You know, we grew up getting spanked. That was pretty normal. Um, but this one was personal. But this was, yeah. This was beating, this was a specific beating. Yeah. Yeah, so that pushed me really deep into the closet. Um, so, and, and I kind of tried to, I was, you know, I tried to be a good kid. I tried to believe what I was taught and how I was raised and be a good person. So... I fought um, that internal battle for a long time, feeling like there was something wrong with me or. Yeah. What is this? And I think this is, I think this is important because, you know, as a straight person, nobody ever asks me at any point in my childhood or otherwise in my life, like why I'm attracted to who I'm attracted to. And, and like, we're trying to tell people that are attracted that are, that don't, that don't, you know, fit in the, the cis binary, like, we have to like ask them and that's like a weird thing. So you have to ask yourself and it's like, I don't know why 
I'm attracted to this person. It's like, it's, it's all of it is natural, right? So what is the internal struggle? How does that play out? And then like, I guess, how do you, how do you like quiet that, that knowledge about yourself? Um, well, I don't know if I ever did a great job of quieting that, but, um, for me, the way this played out, um, I probably pushed in my personality and who I pretended to be or tried to be a little further in the other direction than I really would have. Um, you were, so you were, you were like crazy frat boy, uh, alpha male. Yeah. Very alpha, um, you know, jock, um, sports and whatever right after high school, played soccer for a summer in Europe and then into college, um, ended up getting kicked out of college quickly, uh, right after what? soccer, but- Why'd you get kicked, when, kicked out of college? Uh, it, it was it was a small college and I got caught with some weed and that's a whole nother story, but it's really not that interesting. Your whole life is, get, is, like, is like getting caught doing uh, things that we that nobody cares not, not nobody cares but like that have become accepted like we like it's like now you're, you got kicked out of college for weed and now it's federally fine yeah yeah <laughs> you know and that that was okay because i i didn't want to stay at that school um again and that was a a very conservative christian school i was still kind of trying to live the life i was being told i was supposed to live i guess you know yeah um but i the season ended and I got kicked out shortly after and was maybe even relieved. I didn't really care other than uh, the loss of money. Yeah. <laughs> um, but that was, you know, the fall of 2001 and September 11th happened. And so um, by a year from that day, I was swearing into the military and off to basic training for the army. Wow. Um, did four years in the reserve. I didn't really do much in the military besides a lot of training. Um, and then got out again. And, um, shortly after that ended up in Nashville. But, but, well, let's hold it for a second, but thank you for your bravery. Um, you know, I, 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 I did the opposite, you know, I, the, I stayed as far away from that opportunity. So for you to take that on, uh, is, is a very brave and admirable thing. Well, you're welcome. And, uh, you know, yeah, I was a very all-American kind of kid, very idealistic. Um, I had a lot more faith in our country and our government in certain aspects then than I do now. Uh, a little more experience and a little more. Well, we are in a particularly gray area for having faith in anything. Uh, and that's that's an interesting <laughs> an interesting world that we live in right now. Yeah. Let, let, let's 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 pause there because I, I do want to ask you because you know you have your experience with your best friend this is your best friend he's 14 yeah yeah so from was. 7 to 14 and, and like you didn't go away to the dunes to do this right this is just a thing yeah no we were just there um for a couple nights camping out with the family with his family this time but uh yeah just running stuff around happened. The beach during the day, just, you know, doing the same kind of things we always did in the summer as kids. Yeah. It wasn't about that at all. Um, but that was something that happened, you know, just beautiful, just this beautiful thing escalated and here you are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, you know, it's 14. You know, that's about, it's about the age you start to figure those things out. Right. I don't know. Nobody sucked my dick when I was 14. I, I, I didn't have those kinds of skills. No, <laughs> I lived a much, I lived a much different later life. So I, I, uh, um, 
I, I don't I, I don't have that I don't have that experience. I love that I love that story. Um is so from fourteen until just just even cutting to this point until Nashville, I mean you're living this straight alpha life, you're doing all these things, but along the way, you know who you are. Are you still having um the 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 not random but the uh, um the the atypical um sort of like one off like um male male experiences that are sort of like so deep and closeted or are you just completely uh, removed that part of your sexuality for that period of time for me uh it was a couple things i was very promiscuous but always like a one night stand with women yeah um, why do you that, um have experiences like that with guys i remember wishing that um a guy would come on to me but knowing i was way too like closeted or shy to try and actually like initiate something like that for, um, for fear that that you that you would be um like found out uh yeah i guess so and then at the same time um it, i definitely always knew what i wanted and for me it manifested in this like guilt and shame that i had some sort of porn addiction because um, I still watched most of the time it was gay porn. Yeah. Um, and if I did watch something that was straight porn, I typically found out, I like realized after whatever video I would end up on, that I was, it was all about the guy. Yeah, there's dicks in straight porn. That's fantastic, right? <laughs> so, but yeah, but so for me, that was like this like secret shame too. Like, of course. Yeah. Um, but that's. Um, so from 14 to Nashville, you're in all of these boys' organizations. Um, and you don't hook up with anybody. You don't hook up with a boy from 14 through Nashville that whole time. Yeah. Yeah. You're 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 white knuckling cold turkey. Your sexual uh attract I mean, other than the porn. Right. So you get to Nashville, you're out of the military. So I never intended to stay in Nashville long, but when I got out of the military, it was the end of 06 um and it was right before the recession but the recession hit up in michigan a little bit earlier than other places the housing thing um yeah just the economy in general work um construction had basically ground to a halt and i didn't have a lot of skills at that point yeah didn't have Were a degree, you... and what i did in the military wasn't going to transfer to work at that point where i was so what were you doing you were doing construction um but yeah i had done construction a little bit and had you know that was a place to start but the work was just drying up quickly. So um, I had an older brother that was in Nashville um, chasing his own career. Uh, he's a musician. And uh, there was a lot of work opportunity. And so I moved down there and stayed with him, um, found a place, got a couple jobs. And I was saving money because I thought I was going to move out west. Um, and within, I don't know, six months or so, getting close to being able to move out West, my, um, this girl moves in across the hall. Um, this, and she was a stripper. Um, and at first we were just kind of friends and fuck buddies. And then, um, my lease ended, um, and my relationship with that roommate ended poorly. Uh, and I was about to move out West and that kind of fell apart. I was going to move with a cousin. Um, he backed out. I didn't really know anyone out there. Didn't really have as much money saved as I felt like I needed. 
Um, and she offered me a place to stay while I figured it out for a few weeks. And a few weeks turned into a few months. And I hit a point where I kind of decided like I either have to try to make this work and just commit or I need to get the fuck out. And I decided to try and make it work. And we ended up getting engaged and then pregnant and married. Um, How fast? From the time I met her, it was a year um, till we got engaged. And then we got married, I don't know, a few months after that. Fast. It's fast. Yeah. 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 Happened quick. Too quick, probably. What did, what did, uh, by out west, you mean California or where did you have your heart set? This was in Nashville, Tennessee. No, but you said I wanted to move west. So honestly, uh, Vegas at that point. What did Vegas represent for you that that seemed like an opportunity? Why was that something you wanted? I, uh, well, I had gotten really into Texas Hold'em. That was right when the big. No shit. No limit Hold'em phase. I remember. Yeah. Everybody, all overnight, everybody was a Texas Hold'em champ. Well, and I had started playing um, at this track. Uh, there's a horse track in my hometown, and they had started these uh, poker poker games up there. Right, because it didn't it didn't like fit with any of the gambling laws that were already existing. You could just well, they, play. They, some, a couple of guys actually found like a loophole how they could get temporary gambling licenses for all kinds of different charities, right. and a percentage would go to the charity, and they could keep the rest. And right, they were, they were, uh, killing. I mean, it was a wreck. right. Cause well, cause uh, 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 gambling for people that don't maybe know it's separated into like into different chunks. And so one of the chunks is like, uh, like horse racing or dog racing, which is mostly going away. And then table games is like the most extreme one, like all the Vegas stuff. And then there is another one where you can do things like, um, like poker. I don't really know how that aspect of it works, but poker, because it's not necessarily, um, like like casino sponsored because they're not putting any money into it it's like this whole other like you said it's like a loophole yeah Um, now you're a poker head so well you know i started playing a lot and i wasn't really making any money so i ended up becoming a dealer and i dealt up there for i don't know six months maybe drugs Um, watching thousands and thousands of hands as the dealer um, oh a dealer oh a dealer for sorry a a casino dealer with with the yeah absolutely so I had some skills as a dealer and I, I had improved greatly as a poker player and started um, winning some tournaments up there and making a lot of money on the side as a poker player. Just watching a shitload of poker. And I was also, you know, I was still young. I didn't have any real responsibility at that point in life. And so I was all about chasing that dream of, you know, making it as a pro poker player. Yeah. But like I said, um, when my plans with the cousin backed out and I ended up moving in with her um, and then it, it uh, derailed that course what's funny is you're you're living you're living some you, at this point you're living some straight midwesterners dream you're like you're like alpha male marrying a stripper like that's some people's dream like people go to the strip club and like dream about marrying the stripper it's just not your dream yeah you literally I, you achieved know, I've never someone's thought dream. about it that way but <laughs> like you achieved someone's dream god damn it you're 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 so good <laughs> you do all these big things uh, accidentally. So yeah. now you're married and you're how old? I got married uh, at 25. You're yeah. married at 25. 26. You're married at 26. And then you put a baby in this lady. Is that what you told me? Yeah. So, and we, uh, again, um, we were living together and we were engaged. 
but with our conservative families, there was a lot of pressure that we her too. But we live together. So she's conservative too. She's a conservative. She's a really conservative, and she's a stripper. Yeah, um, there was a lot of history and damage there with her family, but they were kind of starting to um, heal that or get you know reestablish a relationship at that point. Okay. So she's on her own. You're on your own from family stuff. And is that it? Was that a point of like um, camaraderie in your relationship? Um, honestly, I didn't know about a lot of that early on. But I, yeah, she had run, she had left home when she was like sixteen. Yeah, um, I knew she had issues with like her dad, but that's you know. She's the que- the question I want to ask is, because even even still, so night, but you're you're like gravitating towards more conservative. Uh, minded people and but you're also gravitating towards sex positive people so even though you're not um like pursuing the relationship that maybe you would uh physically want you're still sort of like you're like taking like a baby step in a way by by dating and marrying somebody who's obviously super sex positive they're a stripper like I was always fighting that battle of what I really wanted, but what I had been taught to believe was wrong. So right. I thought that I'm fighting these like, you know, temptations or carnal urges that are, that are wrong. But yeah. And they're always there, you know? Um, yeah. And they grow, right? Don't they grow in the secrecy? Don't they grow in the dark? Absolutely. Um, yeah, definitely. So you're, so you're, you're married, you're trying for a baby. Um, you think you have a porn addiction, how much of your, or your life, how much of your sex life is alone looking at porn at this point in time? Hmm. Um, it, it was definitely a daily thing, but also was, so was sex with, um, her at the time. Yeah. So and that I was a thing that was a high libido and it was like, I wanted it more times in a day than I was going to get it from her. So I filled the rest of those in with gay porn. I've been there. I mean, I've been, I've been, but also, I've, you know, I got to a point with our sex life where it, it was difficult sometimes to get off. Um, and I would find myself eyes closed thinking about the gay porn I liked rather than what was actually happening at the moment. And I, and I think people have been there and I think, and I think, um, like I had a full on conversation once with somebody, um, where they were justifying, fantasizing about other people while they have sex with their partner and i and i it just pained me that that was like a that that's a conversation that we have to have and they're like it's a reality like i want everybody to be attracted to who they're having sex with um that's like a really important thing in my mind for everyone um so how long are you trying before you 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 get pregnant well that was what that was what i was getting to our um, conservative families pressured us to get married, um, even if it was just at the courthouse before our wedding, because we were living together. Living, of course, in they hate so, that, right? They hate that. Um, so we did just to keep them happy. We went to the courthouse. We got married. We decided to just go out that night and have fun um, downtown, stay in a hotel, um, and ended up getting pregnant that night. The boy's fertile. Yeah. What are you gonna yeah. do? So. Uh, Which we- also caused like some drama because when we got married, yeah, let me check this camera one second. Yeah. Cool. And we'll have, and we have some stuff and, and I have this video, so we have a thing to cut to, so we don't lose the conversation. Yeah. Um, so you're at the courthouse. Yeah, we got the courthouse, we got married, but it caused some drama because 
by the time we actually had our wedding with all the family and everyone in town, she was a few months pregnant. Right. Everybody in that life hates that. Some of the family looked like, you know, we were getting married because we got pregnant. But the truth was we were engaged and planning that wedding way before we got pregnant. It just happened to happen before the wedding. Yeah. Um, Your entire life up to that moment, especially, is like um, muddied by other people's opinions. Yeah. Um, yeah, I was constantly trying to be who other people were telling me uh, I needed to be and who I thought, you know, I thought. And like, and like, and like if these people are at the wedding and they're like, they're like, have a, like, have a judgment about like, whether or not you're pregnant, you know what, leave my wedding. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah. Um, we just dealt with it. I just yeah. dealt with it, I guess. Yeah. Now, I don't want to skip around, but um, I guess this is what I want to ask. Um, how does it how does it happen that? Um, no, sorry. Let's 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 keep the timeline forward from there. So you get pregnant, you get married. Yeah, um, and you know we were married ten years, and I tried really hard to make it work. Um, mostly, you know, having a family, trying to do it for the kids. Um, and she had a child when I met her, a little baby girl. And so that's part of the story too. Like part of me was trying to help take care of that little girl. You're, ra- yeah, you're raising a family. Yeah. Um, but so, yeah. Um, but she had a lot of issues, um, that came out over the years in all kinds of different ways. Um, a lot of insane drama. Insane. Yeah. Um, I struggled through construction for a while, trying to take care of this family and then, um, was picking up security gigs on the side, just bouncing at clubs and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and then that turned into a whole nother career. Um, so here's my question. Yeah. Um, and, and sorry to cut you off. No, you're um, good. but, I, uh, um, does coming out come, um, as a result of the breakup or are they not at all touching? Like does coming out have something to do with why? Well, it was such a crazy, you know, 10 years together and so many ups and downs and a lot of heartache and misery, but she eventually left me. Um, and when she did, she, we separated and she filed for divorce. I just knew at that point I wanted to be myself. I knew what I really wanted. And I didn't want to waste any more of my life or my youth or, <laughs> Um, trying to be somebody else or whatever. So I came out shortly after that. Um, but I started, I guess I started seeing guys on the DL for about a year. After. And then I came out and two months later did my first porn scene and just dove headfirst into that. Well, and so what did coming out uh, mean to you and, and how did that uh, uh, manifest itself? Because you say you came out, is, is it more a process of, of, of accepting yourself and like making that statement in your mind and in your heart? Uh, Well, it was a little bit of both. It took, yeah, first I had to accept it. And that took, that took that little bit of time period, um, between finally, um, splitting with her and starting to see guys secretly and like getting to the point where, um, yeah. What do you I mean? was ready to accept myself. And then when, once I accepted myself, I didn't really care what anyone else thought. Yeah. Um, and so I came out to close friends at first and then um, most of my family, just not my parents really. Um, so, 
So what do you mean when you say seeing guys secretly, right? Because, like, if I meet a girl and we start talking and we hook up, like, I'm not going around town and announcing it, right? So there's, like, that's secret in a sense. But, like, you feel this need to, like, be under wraps and hide. Like, who are you keeping this a secret from, mostly? Um, well, okay. So... As saying, I kind of um, transitioned, started with bouncing, but it turned into full-time um, private security work. Um, so I had fallen in with a group of guys that were veterans, that were some uh, great guys, but the work we did, so it was very, um, very macho, hetero, um, conservative, right-wing kind of group that I was as my friend circle and also my, my work circle at that point. Um, so to have been through all I'd been through with these guys and come out at gay was like, um, I was terrified. I had no idea how that was going to be received. Um, or, you know, and at this point in time, you're 36, 37 years old. This is, this is how long ago from right now. So I was 36 and it's, um, it was January of 2019. Um, yeah, my ex left at the very end of 2017. I was on the DL that whole year, and at the very end of the year, I came out uh, the beginning of, yeah, 2019. And, and, so and three, three and a half years ago, not even. And what, and what was your experience? Um, what was, like, your journey of acceptance from people? So I was, I was amazed. I, um, I had surrounded myself with, with authentic, good people. Um, and not a, I didn't lose really a single friend. I'm going to ask a weird one. Um, but was anyone surprised? <laughs> yeah, it was a total mind fuck for a really? lot of people. Really? Yeah, absolutely. You were that good at, at, at this role. I mean, I'm a pretty butch guy anyway, but yeah, I guess so. Wow. Yeah, maybe it's my mindset. Maybe it's my brain. Maybe it's a lot of things. But but um, uh, I feel lucky that that anybody who's who's you know wanted to include me in their process, um, that it it never came as like a um as like a shock or like a weird character thing, you know. It just came as sort of like a you know uh, I'm so excited and 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 thank you for telling me, um. But it never came as like a as like a surprise. So that's um that's very interesting. Now, there were a couple of people that kind of had figured it out before that I came out to them. Yeah. Um, but until I hit that point where I was sneaking around seeing guys in the DL, they never, they never would have thought. Yeah. You had said that you were, um, you were, you were promiscuous and one nighty with women. Um, did you find that year as the same kind of environment? You're just, it's just sort of like a, as, as limited an interaction as possible. So as to keep this thing, not messy. Uh, I yeah, I suppose that was part of it. I just I always knew I wasn't really interested, and I it really was kind of the situation when I ended up with my ex wife that I didn't expect to end up with her. I yeah. situation just put me where I you know we got along, we were having fun, um, and I didn't expect to stay. But and you, after I spent that few months, you know with her 
Um, I was still trying to do what I thought was the right thing, I think, when I made and that jump. Who did you feel you owed it to at that moment? Her? Society? I guess God. I don't know. Okay. okay. I don't know. I don't know if I felt like I owed it to somebody. Or at least I don't think I, um, it was something I consciously okay. thought about. Um, um, just because it came up. Um, now that you're, what are we saying? Four years, three years into, into, uh, and you've called yourself a, um, a gayby, and I want to talk about that. Uh, I, that's been in my, that's been a pin that I've wanted to talk about since you said it. Um, but what do you feel now uh, with all these th- three years of, uh, of, of openness and coming out and all the acceptance? Uh, what is your relationship with God now, personally? Oh, wow. So, I really don't know. I think I'm I'm more swayed towards the belief in. I I don't even know. Honestly, I haven't quite reconciled any of it. Sure. Um, I mean, you you had I, a more I know that I don't feel. I felt a lot of guilt and a lot of shame, and before accepting myself. But since that time, I don't I don't feel like I do anything wrong. Like it doesn't. Of course no of course not i don't feel like yeah so i haven't really decided if i believe in god or not or if i believe more in just the energy of the universe sure well because you because you were raised to have a very specific viewpoint of what it is to believe in god and what he might expect of you right yeah um so for for people that weren't raised that way uh it's different and 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 we don't maybe feel um like a like a nostalgia or a uh an expectation from our relationship with god um but that's why i asked because you did it it was a big part of your life and a big part of your father's life and um so i always wonder how that how that comes and so right now you're just you've got god on on hold yeah, I guess so. I haven't really had a lot of people ask about religion for a long yeah. time. But and, I, and I didn't expect to ask. With you, with you asking, I guess I don't really know. I don't think I have a religion at this point. Yeah, and and, and that's the thing. I I think I think it's hard to um to join a, a gang, you know, a religion gang, um with you know, because it's like, well, let me. Can I read the? It's like, can I read the um the what's 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 the uh the mitigating circuit like what's the uh the fine print like i want to read the fine print on your religion uh before i join this thing like what do you like what are your extra beliefs uh because maybe they're not you know so that's hard it is hard to join a gang but your relationship with god as, as a person um doesn't necessarily relate to the building or or the gang um but i think a lot of us have that question i think a lot of us don't know where we stand with god and our beliefs um because again it, it is a gray time of of like misunderstanding everything and, and we're all arguing everybody this that's the main thing that's the main like background of, of the life that we lead right now and we're i'm an 80s baby like you and it's like just everybody's this is the i don't know if i was i was like blind to it for a long time but it feels like everybody's arguing in a way that i didn't don't have never experienced in my life i don't remember being in my 20s and there were people arguing this much yeah no i agree completely um it's strange so to be a gay bee this is a new gay. This is your term. Um, I don't want to. I don't want to sound um, close-minded um, by using that term um, or like labeled. But uh, you said you're you're a gay bee. What does that mean? Um, and then I guess how long are, do you have to be 
how do I say it? Do, 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 how long do you have to identify as gay before you're no longer a gay bee? Like, what's the, like they say when you're a New Yorker, like if you've lived here uh, for five years, like you're good, you're a New Yorker. Like, how long do you have to be gay? I, you know, you I, think, gay I think that time period depends a little bit on exposure. Yes. At this point, but, I've had a pretty extreme amount yeah. of exposure. So that may not be entirely even accurate at this point. But, you know, it's it's an entirely different lifestyle. It's an entirely different life. Um, and there's just so many little things about being gay that, you know, being raised as a straight person and living that other life, like, I just have no idea. And you have some catching up to do. Do you feel like, like that? Do you feel like you have some catching up to do? Party or, you know, even just things like what's a twink? What's a, yeah. you know, like what's a bear? What does this mean? Yeah. What does this emoji mean? Like right. a lot, you know, it's crazy stuff. So um and it's also exploring my own sexuality um i i, I say gabeyism just like from the moment i've like accepted myself and started this journey like figuring out what i like and who i am just as a gay person is still kind of a thing yeah so pop play like discovering that and starting to explore that like that's kind of part of it again that's pretty new um, yeah so, so um, it's not, you know, it's not also, a, like when I came in, I was pretty specific about who I wanted to work with. Um, I was only a top. Um, and then eventually I started taking scenes as a bottom, really just for the work. Um, but the more that I was doing it, the more um, it seemed to be uh, my fans liked it. So um, I started doing more, but I was not at all. Um, a bottom i didn't think and then some switch just kind of flipped um sometime last year and i've become a pretty big bottom um so you know that's again part of figuring out like my sexuality and what i like and what i'm into and like who i really am yeah um, so uh, I don't know what else I might find out that I like next or yeah okay so then let me ask you this do you find then that 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 being in porn allows you to um, explore more of 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 your sexuality than uh, you think you'd be able to is, if you weren't in the industry um, well I would say yes because it um, it has exposed me to people in places and cause relationships where I've been able to explore that more. But um, I wouldn't really say it was because of like the actual porn work, like studio work that I was doing. You, well, well, so then, yeah. So then I guess the question is like, um, so and, getting and into it, porn and then getting into like private stuff made me start filming with more people and meeting more people more in my private life. Yeah. Um, and that led more to that. Do you still identify as promiscuous? Um, I mean, by the definition, I would say yes. I'm not worried I, about the definition. I'm worried I about your definition. Yeah. Just like the term, like slut or whore, or I'd like to own those kind of. I want. I want you to. Yeah, I absolutely want you to. I couldn't tell you how many people I have sex with in, in any given week or month. And who would want to count? 
<laughs> and, and but no but you but I, I noticed that you only really use the word promiscuous as it pertained to to the the, the straight uh promiscuity so i just wanted to i wanted to see well because uh, it has a negative connotation in that world but i yeah. don't think there's really a negative connotation in the way that i've chosen to live my life here right not for most well, not everyone's accepting but um but but and and here and here's why and and, and it's partly because removing women then like the stigma of having a lot of sex immediately goes away like yeah. we we want all of our dudes to fuck all of the things like we really do yeah. and so it's, when it's two dudes we're like yes have at it yeah i don't know it's like you know as soon as you remove the that then the stigma goes it's great um well i also kind of learn like i'm i'm i identify as polyamorous yeah, I'm capable of having a lot of different relationships kind of at the same time. Sure. Um, and not interested in a monogamous relationship. And that kind of took some time to figure out. Let me um, ask you. But, let me ask you this deeper, because I. Um, this is this is now a thing that, that as as a um, the arbiter of this podcast, I have to answer to a lot is like people asking me questions about Polly and, and trying to get me to explain it to them uh, so that they can understand. What's the difference between you being poly and you just being single, right? Like if I'm just a single guy and I'm dating like seven women and we're all just at the beginning stages of pre-monogamy, if that's the end goal, um, does that make me poly? Why, when, when does the line cross that it's, that it's poly versus just being single and unattached, unpartnered? Um, well, I guess that that would be between you and whoever you actually um, would identify for, as a partner. For you? Um, at this point, that's a tough question. Are you multi-partnered? Is that fair to say? I, I would, I feel more like I, I'm not with a partner at this moment. At this yeah. moment, I would say that I'm, I'm single. Um, but I'm developing several relationships at the same time. Yeah. Well, um, and I, and I think and that's, I think the difference for me is any one of these boys, like if they, you know, if we kind of change to where they identified as my boyfriend and I'm their boyfriend, um, the ability to date other people randomly or fuck other people doesn't go away. That doesn't change. Would you be monogamous? I don't think so. No. Okay. Okay. So that's, that's a I, good... well, I really don't think I could, I think that's just setting me up for failure. I know that's not the kind of relationship I want. Okay. And, that, so and that's I finally have got to a point where I understand that like, after I've um, connected with somebody a little bit, if I'm interested in going any farther, like we're having that talk about yeah. what a relationship would look like, what kinds of things I want. And that way, you know, we both know up front. Um, and that's really important. It's gonna work or if it's not going to work, but we're not wasting anybody's time. And if we end up just being fuck buddies, and that's like that's a thing, that's fine. Yeah. Or just you know, if they're looking for something different, then they can be free to keep looking for what they want. Do you find that you've have you ever um, come to an agreement of like, did you have you ever said to somebody, "Hey, we're fuck buddies"? Absolutely. Okay. Because yeah. I feel like I have some fuck buddies, and you know, there's. There's a guy that I'm dating right now that I'm extremely into um, and same, but both of us have 
really busy lives. Um, I'm in Nashville and back and forth to Nashville and LA a lot. So I'm all over the place. Um, and he's kind of the same. Um, so whenever it lines up that we get together, it's like we pick up right where we left off. No time has passed and it's amazing. Um, but all that time in between, like he still goes on dates and he still goes to sex parties. And is I it, is it, is it don't ask, don't tell, or is it uh, tell me? Everything? Oh, no, 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 no. Um, not with him. And both of us, you know, we talked about this right away on one of the first dates that we actually went on together. Um, you know, we both want, we want more time with each other than we get, but that's just the circumstance we're in. But as far yeah. as the way our relationship works, it's exactly what we both want. And when I like do something crazy or have a sexual experience with somebody or whatever, like he's the first person that I want to talk to about it. That's fantastic. Or, like when I got back to town, we hung out the other night. Um, the first thing that he told me about when we got in the car was the sex party he went to a couple nights before. And I wanted to hear about, you know, him getting fucked by all these guys. Yeah. Um, so it's called compersion. It's kind of the opposite of jealousy. Um, we, are turned on by hearing about the other person's like, you know, experiences and stories. We're not jealous of them. Say that word again. Compersion. Explain that to me more. Uh, it's like I said, it's the opposite of jealousy. So for me, even if we're together, um, we've been out together and I may look across, uh, like we've gone to like a naked pool party and there's guys fucking all over the place. And like, we're there together and like, we're very into each other. But like, for me to like, look up as I'm getting fucked by somebody and see him like across the bed, getting railed by somebody else. Like, I don't know, this is a really a huge turn on Yeah, just to like, yeah, I don't know. I get off by seeing him turned on and, and playing and it doesn't have to be me, the one that he's playing with. And he's same thing. Like he loves hearing about my sexual um experiences and adventures um, how, together and when we get to do those things together it's like even better how do you how do you confidently um how do you confidently like not become uh like possessive i think this is a lot of people's like thing is like they want to hold on so tight because they're afraid they're gonna lose um but then someone like you, like, you know, he's coming back because of what you have and what you've built and what your value is. Right. So how do you explain to somebody how to get to where you are and how to not be worried about things like that and how to not be possessive? Uh, well, you know, this kind of comes back to the whole religion thing in a way, but for me, like, uh, I do believe in fate. I kind of believe in destiny. Um, so I've kind of, and I've had some relationships um, that ended that were, you know, tragic and painful. Um, but I've come to realize that, like, if it's going to work out, it's going to work out. And I've, I've kind of removed expectation and any kind of pressure from my relationships. And for me, it's just all about leading with honesty. Um, I feel like I'm getting to a place where I, I understand so much better who I really am and what I really want. And it's um, so being honest about that right up front. Um, that way, if you're because if you know, if we had talked about that, and he said, you know, well, I'm really looking for a monogamous relationship, and I need somebody that's going to be here, you know, 
we would have known right then this isn't you know that's not going to work out for us but so many people have have trouble like cutting ties and like admitting to themselves that like a situation because we're all lonely right so it's like you walk into a red flag and then you're like well i'm already here i may as well stay in here what gives you the strength or power to be like um no offense but you know obviously this isn't working and let's go our separate ways um i guess for me it's just having enough failed relationships trial and error but another big thing about it is i talked about my daddies my handlers i talked about um them being mentors and one of the biggest things that attracted me to them right away was their marriage and their relationship because they have mastered this they have the most open um and sexual relationship i've ever seen they have sex with everybody all the time together separate all around and they love telling each other about it and um uh, one is a you know ryan is a relational sex therapist wow um so he also has a lot of um you know professional training and insight into how these things work um so that's been a big part of them being a mentor is me um you know as i've and they've known me through the end of a really um tumultuous relationship that got really toxic um and was also extremely hard to break uh, the bond so having them around and having their insight and their experience and also their relationship as a model has been part of that relationship, part of that mentoring and part of me kind of being a gaby and growing into more of my, you know, true authentic self. Yeah. I think we all need that. Yeah. I think we all need sexual mentors. That sounds fantastic. And, you know, for them, um, they're a little older. They didn't have that. Um, yeah. you know, we, we lost an entire generation to the AIDS epidemic here more or less. And so, you know, that older generation that would have been their daddies that, you know, that wasn't a thing for them. They didn't have those people. They didn't, most of them didn't survive. And, and, and then for thousands of years before that, it was like deep, violent, painful closetness. Um, so, um, how was your relationship with your daughter? Um, it's good. We don't see each other nearly as much anymore, but that more has to do with her being a 17 year old girl and having a car and just, you know, nobody 17 that. wants to talk to any, but, their, any of their parents, but yeah, but I'm still daddy. Um, and yeah, I still take care of her. Um, do you think that you will ever, um, try and broach and, and, um, repair the relationship with your father? Um, probably at some point, I think so. I honestly, I'm so convinced um, of his dogma and how he feels about it that I don't, I don't see a lot of positive coming from it. And because I have these two kids that that's their grandfather and they have a good relationship with their grandparents and they, you know, I haven't wanted to rock that boat. I'd rather just let it be um, so that the kids can have that relationship because it really feels like, you know, my choice will be um, something that completely severs the relationship. Trickles but, down. I'm sorry that that's... Uh, and it may not be. I mean, I definitely open to the possibility I could be wrong about that, but 
uh, you know, I know my dad well. I know his his beliefs well, his doctrine well. And, uh, yeah, I can't imagine that it would change. And he's still active in the in the I guess religion community, for lack of a better term. Yeah, he's still the um, head pastor of a church. Preaches every Sunday, pretty much. Um, we're we're going we're going on to an hour here. Um, uh, I, I really enjoy talking to you. I appreciate everything you've shared with me. I wanted to ask. This is a thing I want to make a segment for a long time, and I keep forgetting. I always forget because I get caught up in the discussions. Um, are there people that you would recommend that I talk to? Who else should I interview? Oh man, I uh, I can't think of anyone off the top of my head. Um, but I will say, I mean, I've met so many incredibly interesting people and, 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 and then would your mentor, any, I could probably throw out any given name. Yeah. Um, and you would, you would be able to, um, find some interesting things out. Yeah, for sure. And, and you're, and how about your mentor? Would your mentor, would your mentor be interested in talking to me? Ryan would absolutely be interested. Um, his poor name is Ryan Carter. Um, and he actually writes a blog for CyberSocket, and um, he has some amazing insights into, um, you know, relationships in general, balancing being open um, and being married um, and being a porn star. Yeah. Um, so, and he and his husband began their porn thing just kind of as a side gig together for fun, and it kind of took off for them and turned into something bigger. Um but they have figured out kind of how to navigate all that. And uh, they've been an inspiration. So yeah. I definitely, I know he would love to talk to you and he would be, he's great. Good. Um, I, I absolutely want to do that. Um, let's talk about real quick before we break. Um, let's talk about where you're selling content, how we can get your content, what's going on. Are you um, uh, like, are you building one specific thing? Like, are you building an OnlyFans um, beyond a thing? Are you at like a steady mark? Where are you at with this whole um, porn and selling porn? So I'm working on launching a couple of websites, hopefully this year. But at the moment, I mean, I'm posting content on OnlyFans and Just for Fans. Um, and what can we expect? This is the thing I, I, I think um, people who haven't yet, bought into OnlyFans, sometimes we might not know what we're getting for our 20 bucks. Uh, what are you posting on OnlyFans? Are you posting boy-boy content? Are you posting solo stuff? What goes on there? So I post um, mostly gay content, occasionally solo videos. Um, but uh, most of the stuff that I'm posting is more high quality than a lot of the typical OnlyFans. Great. Um, because I direct and produce um, for the studios, I have access to a lot better production equipment. Will you put? Time, I'm making videos with guys. I may have them in town for a week to film a few studio scenes, and then we may also be filming OnlyFans. So usually the equipment's set up and ready to go, and it's just easy. So, Will you um, yeah, I post full length video, at least one video every week. Um, with a lot of big names, um, there's over a hundred videos posted on OnlyFans at least. Well, uh, let's um, pump it. It's OnlyFans.com/slash Jack Stereo. J A X T H I R I O. Get on there. Get on uh, 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 paying for content. Uh, we're finally at a, at a very clear period of time with 
um, adult content where we all understand that if you haven't paid for your your uh, your your materials, that the person that you love isn't getting the money. If you love a performer, let's keep them in the business. Please pay for your porn. Um, how else do we follow you? Where else do you want us to follow you? So I'm on Twitter and Instagram, uh, both at Jack Stereo. Um, and top fan model. I'm honestly, I have so many that are like up and running, but I haven't, um, I don't know which one's to plug, but Twitter is a big one and OnlyFans is a big one for now. I guess the big question is where, uh, where, if I spend money, do you get the most of it? Uh, OnlyFans right now. Okay, definitely. great. Uh, so please follow uh, this, this gentleman. Thank you for taking the time out of your day to chat with me. I really enjoyed this chat. Um, you're a delightful person and I, I wish we could do nine hours, but I don't think anybody, I don't think anybody would last nine hours on, uh, and listening as, as, as much as we want to talk. You know, um, we could probably do nine hours and edit it down into an hour, but that's, that's <laughs> a long interview. That takes, and that takes much more, but there's so many more things that I want that, that, uh, that I think are valuable and things that you say, and I would never want to edit you down. So thank you for the time. Thank you for, uh, the energy and the vibe, please. If you can introduce me to, uh, your mentor, uh, so we can go from there and Ryan. Um, but you are delightful. Thank you for doing this. For the fans, uh, we got uh, YouTube content from today. Uh, we also are on um, all of the places where podcasts are. If you're uh, Android, we're there, and we're also on the other one for, for iPhones. Wherever we're there are podcasts, we are there. We drop a new episode every Sunday. Personally, I'm going to apologize for the lack of content for the last eight months. I've had some um, some scares and things and some emotional things, and so uh, I didn't put content up, but I, I, I'm not going to do that anymore. So we have new content every week. Um, and thank you so much for listening and watching. And one more time, thank you to my guests. You are a fantastic person, and I really like talking to you. And hopefully we can continue this conversation in the future. I have so many more things to ask you. Yeah, no, I love that. This was great. So thanks for having me on. I've enjoyed it.